0: I've always wanted to emphasize when I talked about independence as I think sometimes people think independence means just you yeah you do it by yourself it's but it, it's about liberation it's independence like in the same way that a that a state gets independence it's about the agency and the ability to make your own decisions
1: Loud, yes. One, wait, wait, take, still take one. I love it. <laughs> on this episode, I'm speaking to an artist who's always taking a chance on himself and bet first on his independence. Welcome, Chance the Rapper, to Select Conversations. I really want to just jump right into it. I am so impressed by you. Always, you are an artist whose comfort zone literally exists anywhere you are. And you're very multifaceted. You're Chance to Cinematographer, Chance the Screenwriter, Chance the <laughs> Festival Producer, Chance the, of so many hyphens. So just, you know, talk to us about how or what it takes as an artist to just let your guard down and give your full authentic self to your audience.
0: Hmm. That's a great question. I think that's what makes us artists is that we, we're creative. We love to create. We love to make new things and express ourselves in different ways. Uh... But also, I think the thing that makes us performing artists and makes us musicians or painters is that we like to share our works. You know what I mean? So, like, I could I, I sing in the shower all the time, as I'm sure most people here do. But I take it a step further and want to put that shit out. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I just I've been uh, I've been this way since I was a kid. I grew up dancing, you know, in a lot of different genres and ways, and with different organizations and crews. And then when I got to uh, when I was, I'd say probably 10 or 11, I think, uh, I'd always written poetry because uh, that's the type of person I am. Yeah. But, I, but when I was like 10 or 11 was when Kanye West dropped the college dropout. And that was mm. when I was like, oh, like, I want to do music with my poetry. I want to make rap, you know? And that's just been what it has. I, I don't I kind of really like stopped dancing too when I was around that age. Like that, that kind of became my my language of, like, creativity. And so, I don't know. That's not a cool answer, but that's how I... I mean, was, it's
1: the answer. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the rapper. I mean, we'll take the answer, right? You Y'all, we'll take it, right? Exactly, exactly. You're an artist. You understand that a lot of different layers of vocals go into making music. Yeah. Who are you singing background for?
0: Who am I singing background for? In the shower. I don't really do as much background. I do a lot of, like uh like, uh... You know that like soloy vocal that's at the end of like the R and B songs. or so you're go, running Whoa! up and down. Yeah, you go, You do it in between the words. That's my more more my swag. And I do that for for the barge. I do that for uh, for for uh, Mrs. Carter for for Beyonce. Mm-hmm. I do that for a lot of John Legend records, older John Legend records. But. uh I'm also, like, a wild side kind of person. Like, I like, I like, I like surprises and stuff. So I typically put my, my, my shit on shuffle when I get in the shower. Like, I mm-hmm. never know what's going to come on. And I find old records. I find album cuts from albums that I never <laughs> listened to. And, and I just play around with different sounds. Or sometimes I'll get in the shower with no music and just, like, make the beat on my chest like I'm in jail. <laughs> and, just <laughs> and just make my own song from scratch.
1: That sounds like a lengthy shower concert every single time.
0: No, yeah, I take showers for a really long time.
1: <laughs> I bet. You know those memes that you see when it's like, okay, when y'all really thought I was supposed to be on my way to the club, I'm doing literally anything else? You're in the shower singing, having a concert. That's me. Yeah, that's what we know. On your climb as an independent artist, like you have like a decade plus, plus, plus under your belt already, and you're still very young, but. I'm sure your no-game was sturdy along the way, super sturdy. So talk to us about the types of deals that just weren't dealing. Like, why didn't they work? What needed or what did you need from them to work? And then just the affiliations you have now, like how that plays into your career while you're still independent.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it changed the reasons why the deals didn't work. Changed Mm -hmm. over time and depending on the situation. I remember there was a deal that – that to me it did work. It was very uh, um, appetizing to me. I had a 200k advance from some label that I won't say because I'm still cool with those people. But at the time, I was like, "This looks perfect." It was like a three album deal with three okay. options, and uh, it's basically a slave deal. Mm. And but at the time, I was like, two hundred thousand dollars.
1: Let's get the money. You know what I'm saying?
0: But I. I uh, I think um in the beginning the reasons why they didn't work was just because I didn't have the money to pay for a lawyer to like mm. so like when every time they send a contract you're getting billed, even if you don't sign the contract. And so in the beginning I think what really saved me and saved my career and and put me in a position to do it the way that I did was that I shut down accepting label offers. There's like a point in, in most artists' career where they go on like a label tour. Where
1: mm-hmm. You go between
0: New York and L.A. and you go to all the offices and talk to everybody and stand on a table and rap or do whatever they make you do in those rooms. <laughs> well,
1: we know the and types. I went,
0: I went through I did the I did the same shit. I didn't stand on a table but I stood up and rapped my music in front of two people awkwardly like in, in search of a deal like the Cheetah Girls. But I was I was lucky enough to like get to a point where I was overwhelmed by the amount of contracts that were coming through and the changes and stuff. And I didn't have no money. And I just told them to shut it off and wait till my project comes out and then start sending deals. And that project ended up being ass And so I never had to sign nothing and cause it was really good. And, uh, and then as time went on, it became more like you know, then it was like, okay, these deals are, you know, in in the seven digits now, and they make sense as in terms of the capital that they're supplying. But now my autonomy or my agency is being taken away,
1: Mm. because
0: I'm locked into someone else's schedule as to when I can produce my projects or where I can distribute or how my publishing gets administered. So I started to learn a lot of stuff after Acerap, just being friends with people that were in that in the industry that were, like, tired of their deals or t- or just, like, you know, kicking free game to me. And now I done talk so much shit. I don't think nobody wants to sign me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, at this point, I you know, like, I, I just think it's, like, but also, like, we're in a space of, like, we're in a time of globalization to the point that, like, you know, The biggest artists in America now are Nigerian artists. Like, you can make your music go anywhere and everywhere. And the way that they do their music over there on the continent, like, they're they're not getting fucked over the same way that we are. And maybe some people are, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, we have, we are the beginning of the recording industry in the the United States. And so we got the oldest tricks in the book, literally.
1: Literally. We wrote the book of tricks, arguably.
0: So... It, it, I think like over time, one thing that I I remember that I didn't get till late in the game, but it really like showed me the parallels between our lives and something that sticks with me. Dave Chappelle taught me once. He said, uh, "You gotta you gotta gain hold of your yeses and your noes. You gotta always know your yeses and your noes, and and you be the one in power of it." And you know, I don't have to reiterate Dave Chappelle's whole story, but he's got one of the most famous noes of all time. And you know, years later, he's the the most respected comedian in history and for good, good reasons, you know what I mean? For but sure. Like, you know, if you if you hold firm in your no's and you hold firm in your yeses, then it gives people the opportunity to value you for what you really are.
1: It does, it does, it does. Along the way, I'm sure your team had to morph and shape, shift yeah. and really adapt to the times. What did that path look like?
0: Uh, Well, I always say, like, Put your friends in positions of power so that they can um, so that they can grow in themselves but they can also protect you um, so work with your friends always but like you know for one, there is no right way to do this business, you exactly. know what I'm saying like there's a million ways to go about it absolutely and the way that I went about it was there's really no roadmap you know what I'm saying, Uh, uh, other than staying a local artist. So I really had to be intentional and, you know, and persevere in what my decisions were to remain independent, to stay living in Chicago, to do my own festival, to do my own this or that and that. And, you know, I would say that my team which has always been quite a few people, like they've always rolled with the punches for the most part. Like they've always like been willing to to mold into new roles and the new positions and new ways of, you know, interacting or going about distributing stuff. And also like the people that are still around and that and the people that come around, like the thing that I love is that they trust my vision. And trust in my vision. They see my vision through, even if they don't trust it, even if they don't believe it or understand, like, why would you want to do a concert in Africa? Or why would you want to release you work with painters to put out your songs? Or why would you want to do whatever it is like they sometimes they ask me or ask me to look at it as to like, why would you do this? But at the end of the day, they still go and make sure they see it get done. Especially in spaces of one thing that I would say I saw everybody evolve. In, there's people on my team like like Bob Bob Zegler' been on my team since 2012. Wow. since 10 day and, and did my first tours with me, and he's still to this day does my I'm pretty sure he's in here filming me right now. Uh, he's in the back over there. Hey, but, Bob, Shout out to Bob. <laughs> but all of my team has had to grow in recognizing who they are and, and the space that they take up.
1: That's important. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like,
0: you you go into it with a fear or, like, trying to make sure that... Because sometimes, even though I'm a very nice guy, some, I know what I want and what I need, right. and I can be, you know... You know, expecting to get... So a, a great example is, uh, last night I played Jimmy Fallon, right? And if you've seen my recent performances... They are very tailored to, like, my new aesthetic and how yes. I do stuff. My text is on the screen, the, the composition of the shots. You're superb, Ma- by hey, the way. Thank you. I'm Indeed. a cinematographer. But,
1: y'all think.
0: You know, but but <laughs> I'm going into other people's spaces when I'm doing this, right? Right. And I'm going on broadcasts that are held by, like, giant corporations. And, like, you might say you want something, and they might say no. Or they might say they don't think they could do it. And what empowers me is that my team can go and say, this is Chance the fucking rapper. Are you kidding me? We're going to get this done Remix. one way another. You know what I'm saying? We're going to do it
1: this way because we trust his vision, we understand and embody his vision, yeah. and this is what we feel is best for the brand. Exactly. And that, to me, those are amazing qualities to have in a team, and that's exactly what you innately need, just as you, totally. to be the best possible you. Because if people stutter stepping. <laughs> and projecting that on you, then you'll start a step and get frustrated and then it'll cloud your creativity. So
0: Fully. That's amazing to hear. make you feel hear. small, you know. If you have a vision and you say, hey, this is what I need, and then somebody tells you that it's impossible or it can't work that way or you think you're going to get a no, like, it can naturally make you, you know, that's just, that's influence exactly. immediately. And, and when you have people... Grow into their space of recognizing how important they are because yeah, I'm chance to rapper, but everybody at CTR is chance to rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have are, to be, you know. So it's, it's like, like a
1: Megatron of everybody. Yeah, that is
0: you. we come together like Voltron and we get shit done. I always wanted to emphasize when I talked about independence, is I think sometimes people think independence means just you. Yeah, you do it by yourself. It's but not it, that. it's about liberation. It's independence, like in the same way that a that a state gets independence it's about the agency and the ability to make your own decisions and us as artists we have to be respected as real thinkers like maybe we're not logistics people all the time maybe we're not always the best at communicating ideas in in, in the office but like in terms of forward thinking and like and how things should be we have to be respected as the thought leaders and so when you have a team around you that can say, "Oh, that thought is what you want to see come into reality. That's what you want us to materialize. We got you." Mm-hmm. Then it's like you're just unstoppable after that.
1: For sure, for sure, for sure. You love a good surprise. So let's break it up and play a little game. Okay. We're going to do I do love
0: surprises. I just got excited. Right? I just
1: like in my mind in I just here. came up with something like, "Let me just cuz I'm that friend too that'll just make up a random game and be like, "Hey, y'all play this game." And then everybody busts out laughing." So hopefully I get the same reaction from y'all. Y'all y'all my friends. Y'all my friend? Okay, cool. You my friend, Chance? I'm your friend. Okay, cool. All right. So, I'm going to throw out a word or a person and just tell me what comes to mind first, like, just quickly. First word. Okay. The Chicago bean?
0: Dirty. Ooh,
1: I mean, a woman just licked it the other day on social media.
0: You looked at what? all of us.
1: On a, yes, she did. There's a video going around of a woman who put her tongue on the Chicago bean she and was from like, out of I town. don't understand what's wrong with it. And everybody was like, ma'am.
0: Yeah, no, coronavirus. Next level. Even on? before coronavirus is like the first. Like, why
1: would you do that? Like, that's Ew. everybody's <laughs> bean. so like, It's not down. your bean. It's Chicago's bean. No, people
0: literally come and just touch it. That's it's the like, whole picture. thing that people do is wipe their hand on it. <laughs> exactly. Somebody licked it.
1: Cheated. Gross, exactly. This one is a little deeper, so I want you to just take it wherever it takes you. No one word, no one sentence. Freedom.
0: Liberation. Now. Ghana. The gateway.
1: Elaborate.
0: Um, Ghana is... All right, I got to go way back in time right now. Okay? Please, take
1: us there. Y'all ready for a history lesson? All right, let's it's go. It's not
0: going to be that in-depth, but <laughs> Ghana, which was at the time known as the Gold Coast, was the largest export of of Africans, um, especially when it comes to Jamaica and the United States. 50% of, of black folks here can trace their lineage back to Ghana because uh, they had one of the largest slave castles, uh, and also grabbed peoples or captured peoples from other regions way far up north and brought them all out of that out of that port. And so we have an innate connection as a gateway out. But also in 1957, 65 years ago now, um, Ghana liberated itself from uh, British imperial powers and and colonialism. Uh, with this guy named Kwame Nkrumah, the first president of Ghana. And when he did that, uh, he made it known that his goal, his life's work was to create a free Africa and to create a global black network where all black people could be connected. And so from the the first day that he was in office, he had always implored black people from the islands, from the UK and from all over to come back and come back through that way. He made the... the their flag uh, contains the the black star that Marcus Garvey made, and, and it's a it's a sort of like a beacon to let people know that this is this is where we need to head. And so, when I think of Ghana and I think of all the things that they that, that country has accomplished in sixty five years, and the the emphasis that they put on global connection, it's the only African country with an office of diaspora and affairs where you can go in as a black person from anywhere and, 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 and feel welcome and be welcomed, and, and the fastest pathway to citizenship for, for black people in the world. So when I think about Ghana and I think about the feelings that I got when I was there, I do think of liberation and independence and freedom. And I think about how much this space is calling for us around the world to be in connection and in community
1: that is so poetic and your deep understanding of the importance that Ghana not only has to its continent but to the world to the world really makes it so much more clear why you're doing the work that you're doing in Ghana.
0: Yeah, I'm trying.
1: Y'all, Yo, you're doing, you're definitely doing. So the festival that you're planning, let's start there.
0: Let's start with the festival. What
1: is that process like? Because again, you are Chance the literally insert anything that has to do with anything creative and entertaining. So what hats, which versions of Chance have you been able to tap into? What new versions <laughs> of Chance are you learning?
0: Every side.
1: Just take us through the process.
0: So it's a, it's been a, it's been a cool process. It's a team of me and about seven others, including Vic. Shout out Denisha. Shout out, uh, Micah Branty. Shout out Duemo. Um, shout out Alvin from, from, uh, Afrocella. Shout out all the people that are making this thing happen. It's not yeah. just me by any means. And the, the whole goal is like, I don't want this, when this is all said and done, it won't be, but I do not want this to be focused on me. I want it to be, this is a, a mass demonstration of of our global relevance and the space that we that we naturally take up and we should take up, but I basically started on this concert in January with this with this small group of people um, from different backgrounds in tech and marketing and licensing and festival production um, and education and just started it started with a conversation about how artists. Black artists, the biggest artists in the world, never end up with routing on the continent. We're never back on that side. Like, we we play in Europe for sure. Oh, yeah. As
1: Y'all run down in Europe. You
0: only need one hit to go to exactly. Europe on, but you But we go to Europe, and we don't just play in, like, London. We're also playing at Reading and Leeds, and we're, we're not just in you know, Berlin, but we're in Cologne and in, you know, Frankfurt, Germany. Like, we go, they put us everywhere, but they never put us on the continent. I've played Asia, I've played Australia, I've played New Zealand. And that's the same story for most artists, definitely black artists. And we talked about how the appetite exists out there, how some of, our like, the some great stories in terms of reactions from fans that I've gotten all happened this year when I was in Ghana because they love us and they see uh, ourselves in us. And I think like we started off with just a conversation about how to bring artists there. But then we started to realize like the impact that this has, like, the March on Washington, the Million Man March, the you know these moments of of large gatherings of black folks. And even Absolutely. when it's not 100% politically aimed, even when it's just like Freaknik, you know what I'm saying? Right. Even when it's just a Juneteenth barbecue, we need spaces where we can be free, where we can be in joy. Yes. We can listen to music. We can dance. We can bring our kids. We can look at art. We can... Uh, try new foods like we we deserve and need those spaces and also those spaces is where the real important conversations happen absolutely not not on twitter not on clubhouse not not on not even an iMessage sometimes we need to speak in confidence and have conversations amongst ourselves that are are global conversations it's not just about being american because that's not our identity that's that's where we are and we we do you know we were very important part of this country, but it's a part of us. It's not our identity. And so when, when we get to like recognizing who we are globally, like we have to like hone in on that and make those spaces special. So my main thing that I've been working on in the festival is obviously artist relations. Um, I'm, I don't want to say I'm overseeing production, but I'm working with the producers. You're putting um, your
1: 25 cents in. Yeah,
0: you know, I know how to throw a festival too. I've been I've done this before. Yeah. And uh but it's like uh it's really just like a, an opportunity, is how I see it, right? Every year at the end of the year, a ton of 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 expats and also like people that are first or second generation immigrants to different countries. Those 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 black people from West Africa or with lineage to West Africa usually go back home during the winter months in December. There's like a big thing where since I was young I can remember people going back that yeah. had direct ties. And in the last few years, since 2019, which was the year of the return, uh, four hundred years since 1619, Ghana started putting together, um, you know, different things on a government level to make sure that tourism, inbound tourism from Black folks, was was an important and emphasized and protected thing. And in those three years, like I've come to realize that that is the epicenter of blackness. And if we can get more people to understand that there is enjoyment to be had and there is love to be seen out there, the closer and closer we could get to that point that we're trying to get to.
1: For an independent artist looking to become export-ready for their music to be received in any place outside of the U.S., what advice would you have for them?
0: I would say stay true to what you do, whatever it is that is your sound, that is your language. Like, people relate when something is genuine not just because it pertains to them you know what i'm saying like people can sniff out things that are not authentic and so sure can on a surface level don't just start making afro beats (laughs) because because it's popping you know what i'm saying like do it because you love it and then still put your flavor on it but like
1: and learn about it
0: and and learn and learn also like obviously Mm -hmm. like take your time i would say like the best thing I would say for independent artists is continue to create, grow and cultivate your fan base and travel. Travel is important. That's been one thing that's really like helped me be more like connected to the people and the fans that I have around the world, but also like it makes it real for me. It makes me remember how far spread my voice is. So like when I go to when I go places like I've been just in this year I've been in London and Paris and uh, Venice and Florence and Ghana And and a bunch of places Around the states And everywhere that I go I get love We're in New York right now I am not from mean, people I'm here I mean come more love y'all let's, let's, let's
1: get that Yeah get the blood flowing Yes
0: But sometimes But sometimes you You know we I rap I rap I rap And I don't realize That like People love my rap They love my music They love my videos They love what I put out but sometimes it's as simple as just being in the same room as me and hearing me talk that makes people be like, "Oh, I super fuck with this nigga." Like, "He is I I already liked it, but now I love it." You know. No, your mean?
1: aura is whatever color is the most pure and Aww. amazing. Whatever color, that your
0: is. Your aura is too.
1: We'll say it's blue. Or my aura
0: is blue. For real, for real. I just realized also I'm wearing my Ghana pants right now. And uh Ooh. these are my favorite pants that I own. Super
1: steazy. Yeah. Do a brief fit check. Everybody, check them out, y'all. See, him? come on, come on, get up. Yeah, Chance. Yeah, Fabo. <laughs> okay, talk to us about Chance, the cine- the cinematographer. So you to. directed the video. For The Highs and
0: the Lows with Joy Badass, right? Highs and the Lows, I co-directed with Co- Troy directed. Gaino, who's okay, one okay. of my childhood friends, an awesome filmmaker. Um, but I was the basically the chief photographer. I was the uh, director of photography for it. So basically what the DP does is they set up shots. They're like, you know, like your intention is how you tell the story with the frame. So everything from lighting to focal length to, you know, composition to, to you know, just like just what you see at that given moment. Like right now I'm on a lock shot. It's a static shot where this is the edge of my frame this way. And then I got a little space over there. And that's dope for my style of visual language because I always center my word as the subject. So in the video, if if I was rapping and this was my video, my text would be somewhere right here and it would look like I'm literally making the words materialize by talking. And that's what I have fun in doing. Actually, it's a little bit over here. This okay. is the center. Sorry, I was following. I'm it's a seeing double it in full
1: right now. I didn't really, I'm looking
0: at a monitor, but right here is where my words would, would, would land. And I, and that's what I'm, like, studying and trying to perfect in my in, in my visual interpretations of my music. It's like, how do I make it look like it sounds? And to me, that's what it looks like. When I hear the highs and the lows, it looks like black life in joy and, and pain and, and all the things that we go through. But... But just captured and documented. It's naturally art. I don't have to like doll it up at all.
1: Got you, got you. So, project by project, does your team have telepathy with you where they can already kind of ascertain which version of chance is coming to the project or what role you're playing? Or how do you communicate with your team? Hey, I'm chance, the director of photography right now. This is my job. This is what I need everybody else to do. How do you run that?
0: it's very unorganized terrence laughing right now one of my managers <laughs> laughing right now but i i'm 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 a lot like who works like this kanye definitely works like this okay. like i'm very like i'll I'll be randomly like shooting the shit just talking about some random shit and something'll spark like a thought in my mind and i'll go on like an hour long rant about why we need to I don't know. I can't even think of, like, a good example. I I have so many extremes. But, like, I'll just be like, team, we're going in an overhaul because we need to open up a museum exhibit in the next six weeks. And I know nobody here ever worked at a museum or knows anything about contemporary arts. But
1: you're going to learn a day.
0: Exactly. That's my swag. And you know what they do? They learn that day. That's so
1: empowering, though. Even if you do have, you know, high, low, mid, extremes, Still, everyone understands the purpose of their position and they understand, hey, and they also understand how important it is. And that's empowerment. And I can tell that just with you being the nucleus, you really do empower your team to not only make informed decisions, but to just kind of pony up and get shit done. Yeah.
0: No, they're all like I don't work with no weak people. All the people on my team are extremely Strong, strong-minded, strong-willed, irreplaceable people. So, like, but sometimes you gotta remind people that. Sometimes you gotta be like, "This is who you are." You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, you gotta pour we, in. You know what I mean? And 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 they're all great at receiving that. And I think, uh, I think, yeah, I'm just happy. I'm happy. I'm, I'm with my peoples.
1: Right. I feel like this has been such a masterclass on just success and independence and being an artist that is of many talents and building teams and all that. Like, this is a great amount of knowledge. And for an artist who has done so much, you're literally the only artist who's won a Grammy by streaming only. Did y'all know that? Black history in here, okay? (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So what type of knowledge do you think is missing out there in the independent artist realm? What do you know now that you didn't know that you feel someone needs to hear you say about their independent artist journey, what's important, and just how to reach their own levels of success?
0: Hmm. Uh, What do I know now that I didn't know then is advertising.
1: Mm, Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. That's what so, we call alternative monetization.
0: Yeah. Well, also, like, I wear several different hats. No pun intended. Threveral. I, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious, though, to me. <laughs> Threveral is very funny to me. Uh, I uh, I definitely, like, understand the business around music, right? But I'm also, like, a market-resistant artist. Like, I like to, to get... Access to people like I don't care about the paywall. I don't really care about monetizing as much as most people do, though. I probably should. I don't. And I think like on the but on the other side, I am. An artist, like I'm a I'm a creative
1: through and through.
0: So like. I'm I'm creating with that first thing in mind that i just want to make some art it doesn't matter if it makes sense as long as it's dope i think artists don't realize that other people outside of the fans and the consumers that way a lot of the people that we work with are working with our music as a commodity and and they're figuring out ways that they can use it to sell things you know what i mean like that's that's the that's the cream of what what people look at your music for is that it can create capital typically through, you know, partnering with other people and using your music to sell something. And whether that's through like product placement in your videos or, um, you doing a commercial with somebody or, you know, but it's all like, it's all advertising. And actually the first, the reason why we have music radio is because of, Advertising, like that, was the right. whole point of the radio. And That's
1: bankrolls, still yeah. to this day. No,
0: very much so. Mm-hmm. The I, the term soap operas, right? We uh, Do you remember, like when we were kids, and your parents watched? I don't know, General Hospital, oh, all my children, house. like like <laughs> the term soap opera comes from the fact that those same shows existed before television was in our house. So people used to listen to soap operas on the radio. And then, as opposed to having music playing all day, you would have these dramatic stories being told. And in between those stories, you had commercials. You did. That's how people advertised. When they weren't doing billboards, they had commercials on the radio. And the whole, the whole point of these stories being told was to keep the listener engaged until the next commercial came up. The commercials were typically for soap. So they called these operas that they did at the time soap operas. But that's our whole that's where when we when they got rid of those stories that they was telling, they replaced it with our songs. Where our artistry, our our storytelling became that in between between the, like we think about it when we're listening, like, damn, it's all these commercials playing in between the music. No, it's all this music playing in between the commercials. We're selling stuff for people. When we go to the Grammys, We're there so that people watch TV until those advertisements that they sold come back up on the screen. So we are bringing people somewhere at all times. When they give you a big deal to be on a label or to do a TV show or to do a check, it's because they want those bodies to go there so they can sell something. And we just have to be aware of that. It's not that it necessarily means you need to be anti- commercials or anti-whatever like do what you want to do as an artist but recognize that you are the driving force for people coming places that you are the reason why people show up to the festival or watch the Grammys or listen to the radio or buy the gum or buy the shoe or buy the whatever. It's because we make good-ass beats and good-ass raps. Like, that's the whole thing. We are culture. We are the reason why there's a diamond industry that's still living today. We are the reason why there is, uh, why niggas buy foreigns. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of this shit is coming off of us. So once we get all the way connected and get in community to a point that we're all moving towards the same goal, we could tell them niggas, fuck you. I'm not selling no more whatevers, you know?
1: Exactly. I'm sorry to say
0: that. Also, I forget that we're in the translation building. I love brands. You know what I'm saying? I
1: know. It's all good. It's all good. Look, thanks, Ally, for sponsoring this podcast.
0: Are we not supposed to curse on the show? I
1: mean, I don't know. I really don't ever ask.
0: He said curse more.
1: I was like, oh, really? Shit. <laughs> All right, Chance the Historian. Let's give some snaps for that. Again, so poetic. So poetic. So I heard from somebody on the street mm-hmm. that you are going to perform for us today. Is that true? You? You're I confirming?
0: Am. I am. That was supposed to be a secret between me and that dude on the street that told you that. But, you but know,
1: rumors get started. You know, I got street, my ear to the, the streets. I'm ten toes. Now I'm from Atlanta, but I'm in New York. Right. I know the T. So I think we should get prepared for that. What y'all think? Y'all ready?
0: Hey, y'all. All right. All right. My name is Chance the Rapper. I'm just doing this. Poster. We're high so high I could put bowl bowl on a poster, but when the bread get low, like four loaves in a toaster, or the shoulders can get cold as ten toes in Nova Scotia. Some days I hold a grudge, some days I holy her some days I just ghoster. Some days I'm supposed to the crib feel like a gunfight, but them strollers that's the host. We can make amends over old memes and mimosas. My mama know I ain't make my bed. I'ma lay in it, whether it's sandpaper suede linen, whether I'm alone or Creole lady marmalade in it. As I was afraid in. I boogie man slayed, my blankets concealed, a blade in it, emotional seesaw, with two fat motherfuckers with strong knees and free fall. it's cloudy with a chance of meet bars, I checked the weather, I gave all my vices a call, let's get together, to talk about the highs and lows, the ups and the friends that I had to hide to come on. they told me that I knew y'all always come around, come around. Yeah, coming down, coming down, coming down. When it's hard to keep your eyes on the road, and you feel your back's on the ropes, you gotta take the highs with the lows. You gotta take the highs with the lows. Lost, and you're running out of hope, and you're looking for the best way to cope. Just know we all been there before. You gotta take the highs with the lows. Thank you guys.